Hi, this is filmmaker and author Michael Morin. Whenever I'm not riding my bike around the Davis campus, I'm listening to 90.3 KDVS College Radio right here. FM. Cool. This is Radio Parallax, a slightly different perspective from a slightly different view, with topics that include matters in science, technology, history, politics, current events, and whatever we damn well please. And now the host of Radio Parallax, Douglas Everett. Welcome to the program. There's a lot going on, and as usual, we have a lot of ground to cover. I would like to point out that in our third segment today, we're going to do that tribute to Jack Parr, a giant of television and broadcasting, so we hope that you will stay tuned for that. But in segments one and two, we're going to play catch-up, I think, on the, uh, the vast array of current events swirling around us. Where do we begin? Well, the Super Bowl took place last weekend, and uh, talking to my friend Kevin down in Mexico, he reported that uh, the initial news story being flashed as at the completion of the Super Bowl was not about the results of the game, but it was about the bearing of Janet Jackson's breast on national television. I did not see this uh, this bit of chicanery on television. I didn't watch the Super Bowl. And by the way, I, I find it rather depressing that 54% of Americans are expected to watch a Super Bowl every year and that 40% of them say they will tune in just for the commercials. You know, when you can get people to watch a show just to watch the commercials, I mean, is this like the complete and utter success of, of, of marketing and advertising? It's like Will Durst's line about the Home Shopping Network. Yeah, I like to watch. No commercials. Well, since Rush Limbaugh and Ron Owens and everybody else was just all, just could not say enough about this incident the day after it happened, I think we need to take a look at uh, America's biggest news story. Uh, Teetgate, as it is being called. And of course, we can say teat on the radio. First off, it's painfully obvious to anyone that when you're singing a song about how you're going to take someone's clothes off before the song is over, and you reach over and grab their outfit that someone has taken the time to create a breakaway outfit. You don't spontaneously reach over and tug on someone's leather jacket to see if you can rip a hole in it. And an excuse that, uh, that I think makes the weapons of mass destruction issue look, uh, look pretty good by comparison, Justin Timberlake <laughs> said after the show that there'd been a wardrobe malfunction. Of course, he was laughing about it and said, hey man, we love giving you all something to talk about. Now, it remains somewhat unclear and murky as to whether Justin Timberlake was involved in a wardrobe malfunction or whether it was a wardrobe malfunction-related program activity. I do find it somewhat amusing that 22 beefed-up, steroided-out grown men running about a field bashing each other about is considered family entertainment, but the bearing of a breast is causing a national scandal. And of course, the most delicious part about it, Federal Communications Chief Michael Powell. Remember Michael Powell, the guy that thought it was a great idea that just corporations can buy up most of every single uh, media market in the United States? Michael Powell said in a statement, quote, Like millions of Americans, my family and I gathered around the television 
for a celebration. Halftime at the Super Bowl, a celebration. Instead, that celebration was tainted by a classless, crass, and deplorable stunt. He promised an investigation with potential fines of up to $27,000 if applied to each CBS station. The fine could reach into the millions. Now let's just dig a little deeper, shall we? Michael Powell just thinks it's fine that Viacom and Disney and Time Warner can go about buying up huge numbers of stations and penetrating markets to where they are, uh, I think, able to own uh, stations in 37% of American markets. There's been a compromise. I don't know. We'll come back to that. But think about this. Viacom owns CBS Network. Viacom owns MTV. Viacom owns VH1.com. So Viacom has a vested interest in cross-promoting all of this. If it's putting the Super Bowl on CBS Network, well, wouldn't it be nice if we were able to boost record sales through Jive Records, which is Justin Timberlake's label, or Spectrum, which is Janet Jackson's label. These are all apparently part of the greater family of Viacom. Uh, By the way, Britney Spears also comes under this umbrella. So you put this stunt on national TV, you get everybody talking about it, and you're going to sell a lot more Janet Jackson records and Justin Timberlake records. And of course, on next year's Super Bowl, how many more people, not anxious to see commercials, this time may want to be tuning in for the halftime titillation. No pun intended. So Michael Powell You're the guy that thought all this uh, incestuous, uh, cross-promotional, vertical-layered mega-corporation concept was a swell idea. So I would say, get used to more classless, crass, and deplorable stunts. Let's do a bit of email. Uh, Jim sent us an email a while back, and we're sorry we haven't uh, responded to it sooner. But uh, writing us from El Dorado Hills, uh, Jim informs us that that uh, quote we attributed to George W. Bush about the French not having a word for entrepreneur, well, according to Snopes.com, that is just another urban legend. This is a pretty good website, these people out there debunking uh, things like the uh, fake Nostradamus quatrain, which pontificated that a village idiot would win the 2000 presidential election. Yeah, somehow I don't think that uh, Nostradamus was writing about United States presidential elections. But I'm not 100% sure the jury is in on this. Apparently, uh, Shirley Williams, the Baroness Williams of Crosby, told someone that my good friend Tony Blair recently regaled her with this anecdote in Brighton about, uh, about what Bush said. Apparently, Leslie Grove of the Washington Post was unable to reach Baroness Williams to gain from her confirmation of this tale. But he did receive a call from Alastair Campbell, Tony Blair's Director of Communications and Strategy. I can tell you that the Prime Minister never heard George Bush say that, and he certainly had never told Shirley Williams that President Bush did say it, Campbell told the Post. If she put this in a speech, it must have been a joke. Well, that's like Ari Fleischer saying, George Bush never said subliminal. You know, I, I'm not sure that the, I'm not sure the jury's in, as I say, but until... Uh, Shirley Williams comes forward to say that that is indeed what happened. We'll have to go with the website and say, well, it looks like maybe that didn't happen. I mean, it is hard to believe even George Bush would say that. (laughs) 
Thanks again to Jim from El Dorado Hills for that. We do want to be accurate on this program and be fair. Um, you know, something may be a good story, but if it's not true, we don't want to use it. Another email from Chris, who said that in, in relation to our interview with John Buchanan, by the way, in New Hampshire, John Buchanan only got 1% of the vote. We're sorry to report. Had he gotten 5 to 10%, it would have been a breakthrough. I believe of the 250,000 possible Republican voters in New Hampshire, something like only 50,000 went to the polls. Bush got like 85% of their vote, which still makes you wonder. 15% um, did not vote for the sitting president, the incumbent. But Chris pointed out that uh, John Buchanan in our interview said that corporations have no constitutional rights, only citizens do. Uh, Chris points out correctly that after reviewing the unprecedented DVD, in 1886, the Supreme Court ruled that corporations are persons. Prior to that, it was illegal in most cases, a felony for a corporation to participate in politics. That's an interesting ruling that we're going to return to in the future. And if we don't get to it in a couple months, Chris, bug us, because we do want to go back to that important decision that gave corporations rights they did not have before that. What I've heard, and I haven't confirmed this, what I've heard is that the reasoning that gives corporations the uh, the rights to be treated as a person was something a clerk inserted into the decision. It wasn't part of the legal reasoning. I've got a news item here that I've been wanting to do something with since December. Um, Playboy magazine achieved the grand old age of 50 as of December 2003. You know, you can, you can like him, you can hate him, but Hugh Hefner has been a figure on the scene for a half century now, and he has influenced uh, how Americans look at sexual matters. And I want to talk about Playboy, its, uh, its legacy, and Hefner, but I, no, no one will do it with me. No one will touch this subject. So I don't know what we're going to do. Uh, I, I think it is worthy of sociological examination. Playboy has affected just about every male in the country, and that's that's half the people out there, and it certainly affected a lot of females as well. Hefner has done a great deal of good. I know, we're talking about Playboy magazine here, you know, centerfolds and naked girls, I, I realize that. But in terms of his, his attack on Americans' Puritan outlooks on things sexual, I think that, uh, you know, he was one of the leaders of the sexual revolution. He doesn't maybe get quite the credit he likes to give himself, but he certainly had a role to play. And he continues to have a role to play. But uh, (laughs) the item that caught my eye from the Sacramento Bee January 7th, I don't know whether he's serious. I mean, talk about like, you know, Justin Timberlake and Janet Jackson. After Britney Spears did her 55-hour marriage, Hefner spoke up on U.S. Weekly Magazine and said, quote, Britney would make a great girlfriend, hinting that he loved to add her to his bevy of blonde beauties. Now, now we haven't gotten any comments from, you know, 20-something Britney Spears as to whether, uh, you know, she has any interest in the Randy septuagenarian publisher, but I kind of don't think she's interested. Heff noted in this article that he'd also like to see Spears as a playmate, as well as actress Catherine Zeta-Jones, saying, quote, they really epitomize the type of beauty that we like in the magazine. Uh, I really kind of much prefer 75-year-old sex expert Dr. Ruth Westheimer's comments on Britney Spears' antics. Quote, 
The decision of commitment and being together is a serious one, and for someone like that to make it into a cheap happening over a few hours makes a Jewish mother like me very sad. Rather than a cry for help, maybe what it is is a cry for a spanking. Well, I got a feeling Hefner might volunteer to deliver that uh, that spanking. Anyway, I want to talk about Playboy. I, I want to talk about it, but by God, we're not going to do it today, and I don't know how we're going to do it. But, you know, it's a worthy subject. Um, an obituary column of note also, um, maybe we want to tie into this, Francesco Scavulo passed away last month. He was the photographer who invented that cosmopolitan girl. Now, if you've ever seen a cover of Cosmo, there is a certain look. Scavulo was the guy that developed it. And I've always thought Cosmo was kind of an interesting uh, counterpoint to Playboy magazine. I know Playboy magazine angers a lot of people, and I'm not really going to try and defend it. There's a very strange, twisted kind of sexuality also associated with Cosmo. And I think if we get around to talking about this, we need to compare and contrast Cosmo, Playboy. And we have to talk a bit about the primaries. Um, John Kerry continues to uh, rack up uh, primary wins across the country. He apparently uh, only lost in two states of the one, two, three, four, five, six that were... uh, that were contested on Tuesday. He apparently finished a second in South Carolina and in Oklahoma. Otherwise, he won North Dakota, Missouri, Arizona, and New Mexico. I hope you caught our talk on last week's program with investigative journalist Jerry Polakoff. Uh, Polakoff and I are uh, very suspicious of um, what has been happening to the uh, Howard Dean campaign, and we think that uh, what is happening is reminiscent of what happened to Ed Muskie's campaign back in 1972. Uh, also, we should point out that we didn't mean to imply that uh, that Howard Dean still has $30, $40 million in his war chest. It appears, uh, according to late, the latest reports, that he's used up an awful lot of the cash that he had raised from the average citizen. Now, my understanding is the average Dean campaign contribution is $77, and it mainly came through the web. I think this is one reason that to Howard Dean, uh, not being beholden to various uh, powerful interests is not attractive to those same powerful interests. We predicted that the Republicans would spend a lot of money to keep the Democrats fighting one another and more importantly taking out Howard Dean and Wesley Clark, which I think are clearly the number one and number two strongest candidates that the Democrats could run against George Bush in November. In Iowa, as things were ramping up, uh, there was a lot of uh, skullduggery going on. The Dean campaign pointed out about these sort of push-pulls they were doing. People were calling up and saying, well, geez, do you really think that Howard Dean, uh, you know, he acts like a Christian, but, you know, his wife and children are Jewish? Um, That sort of thing was taking place. John Kerry denied any involvement in them. I suspect that John Kerry's hands probably are clean in this matter, but I'd like to know what uh, Karl Rove was up to at about that time. Who do you think bought the spot that aired in Iowa by the conservative, quote, club for growth, unquote, club for growth, conservative group? The ad slammed Dean and his, the quote, cultural elites backing his campaign. In the ad, a farmer says, Howard Dean? should take his tax-hiking, government-expanding, latte-drinking, sushi-eating, Volvo-driving, New York Times-reading, at which point his wife jumps in, body-piercing, Hollywood-loving, left-wing freak show back to Vermont, where it belongs. 
Do you really think Democrats put that ad out there? The association with Hollywood, left-wing freak show, body-piercing, sushi-eating. Well, I'm curious to note that the Massachusetts Supreme Court, as of yesterday, said that gay marriages are going to be okay, just as, uh, just as valid as traditional marriages. The fact this is happening in Massachusetts, uh, I just think that, you know, John Kerry is a senator from Massachusetts. Massachusetts may be the most liberal state in the union. I think that skullduggery is afoot. This is going to be a huge campaign issue to take the the state of Massachusetts and pick an issue that is not going to sit well in the South and with conservatives area of the country and, and whipping this now It's going to be a campaign issue. It's going to be a campaign issue, and it's going to, you know, it's going to be devastating, I think, for Senator John Kerry. When I say this, I'm not coming out in opposition to to giving better legal recognition of same-sex unions. I'm just saying that it's odd that it's Massachusetts that's doing it. Where is Michael Dukakis these days, by the way? Same article by Daniel Kurtzman in The Chronicle. Which, uh, which, which relayed that conservative ad spot, uh, did, did add that there, the, the ad that liberals would like to see would be a rebuttal to the Club for Growth ad telling Bush to take his deficit-creating, warmongering, gas-guzzling, corporate criminal-coddling, election-stealing, Rush Limbaugh-listening, civil liberty-seizing, Bible-thumping, right-wing dictatorship back to Texas, where it belongs. And, of course, after a continued poor showing in the polls, Senator Joseph Lieberman decided to withdraw from the race. And, unfortunately, I'm not sure we'll be able to get Senator Joe Lieberman to come on today's show as our embedded politician in campaign 2004. But we'll give it a try in the second segment. Who knows? I did like like the quote from Bill Maher's comment on the Lieberman campaign, which was... Yeah, Lieberman seems to be under the impression that there's a large block of voters in America who think George Bush would be perfect if he were just Jewish. A couple other miscellaneous stats from the same article. 21% of Americans under 30 say they regularly get their campaign news from TV comedy shows like The Daily Show and Saturday Night Live. And, um... One final statistic, zero is the number of presidents whom George Bush said have done more for human rights than he has. Yes, I'm sure that George's efforts for civil rights have eclipsed those of Abe Lincoln's Emancipation Proclamation. I'm sure of that. I think we need to take a break, so let's uh, let's do that. You're listening to Radio Parallax. This is KDVS 90.3 FM, and I'm your host, Douglas Everett. Mary Peggy, Betty Julie, rubia de New York, cabecitas adoradas que vienen de amor. Dan envidia a las estrellas, yo no sé vivir sin él. 